0: Well hey, good morning. How we doing? Isn't that a fun intro video? Just feels like I'm just ready for an adventure after that. Like, let's just go. Let's go for a hike in the woods. Well, this has been a big week. I'm coming in a little bit hot right now. There we go. I'm excited. I'm excited. I'm not excited when we're doing the run through when they fix all that. So I'm excited now though. Uh, This has been a big week for Center Church. You guys know that, that this has been a big week. Brendan, who is up here, you know he is no longer on the market. He is now an engaged man, so give it up for B. Wow, that's awesome. And then John and Lindsay are back. They've been world travelers out in France, so bonjour, welcome back. I think that means welcome, and that's all we know. So anyway, it's been a fun week. Uh, here's what I did last weekend. Nothing exciting, nothing at all. But that's what I want to tell you about. I, uh, I actually, it was kind of a miracle I went on a family vacation and no one died, so that was exciting. This is the first family vacation we've done in probably like 10 years, all of us, so mom, dad, uh, all my brother and sisters, and uh, then my wife and Judah, my son, and so all of us were in one house with three kind of like two and a half bedrooms, one was a loft, and Everyone got along, it was crazy. But uh, we went fishing, I'm a fisherman, I like to fish, uh, but I haven't fished much in the last couple of years, and so I went fishing, and uh, we took the, the boat out. My family has had a boat uh, in our lives for the last like 25 years. Same boat, amazing, still works and floats kind of we pumped water out of it every hour so there's a hole we're working on it so anyway long story short boat didn't sink we went out we were fishing and i caught this fish and i'm being like the the little boy scout you know nature loving guy i was like hey i caught a rainbow trout because i had read Relax, okay, fishermen, I know, I know. I was all excited because I had read on the post online that this lake we went to, Starvation Lake, up in Barcelona, which sounds fancy like Barcelona. It's not. It's very tiny. It's very hick town. But we went and we went fishing on Starvation Lake, and it said it's known for its rainbow trout. And so I caught one, being an idiot. I reeled it in, and I went, "Look, I caught a rainbow trout," and no one in the boat knew any better. Nobody knew. They're like, "Oh yeah, it must have been." All right. So here's the thing. I didn't know that I was wrong until the next day when I caught this one. This is a rainbow trout. Zoom in. Right there it is. Right. Okay. That's a real rainbow trout. And here's why I brought this up, or here's why I mentioned this: is uh, we're in a series right now called Field Guide for a Follower, and I needed a field guide because oftentimes when we're out in the world, we're out, particularly like in Christianity or whatnot. Um, oftentimes we need a guide to know what is the real thing and then what is something that looks similar but isn't actually the real thing. So in Christianity, the way that I want to approach this today is how do you know a real follower of Jesus when you see one versus one that, that has some similar signs but maybe the deeper you look or the more you investigate, the more you realize that actually may not be the real thing. What is the number one defining characteristic of a follower of Jesus? And we're going to jump in and we're going to talk about that today. So, if you have a Bible, open it up. We're going to be in 1 Thessalonians. I practice saying that a lot this morning. 1 Thessalonians, we're going to be in chapter 1. It's towards like the back of your Bible, but not too far back. So, 1 Thessalonians, chapter 1, here's what I got to tell you about it. Uh, Paul is the author. The Apostle Paul had a really unique interaction with God uh, to the point that Paul used to be Saul. Saul persecuted the church, he hated Christians, and it was his job to ruin their lives uh, and for some of them end them he was a strong persecutor of Christians and so Paul is traveling to another place to just keep wreaking havoc on the Christian movement and God literally pushes him off his horse and he falls down and God makes him blind and he says Saul Saul why do you keep persecuting me and Saul, three days later, uh, after not eating and not seeing for three days, uh, God sent a prophet to him and said, "Speak to this man." and the prophet goes, "I know this man that 's the kind of man that, that Saul was. Saul had a reputation among the Christian community for being one to avoid if you 're in the Christian community but but God sent this prophet named Ananias and Ananias spoke to paul to Saul, who then changed his name to Paul because he had become a Christian, and Paul became one of the most influential forces on the planet for Christianity at the time. He actually wrote like half of the New Testament that we have. So Paul, shortly thereafter, right, he he changes his mission from traveling around and persecuting the church to traveling around and planting churches and investing in churches and equipping churches and raising up leaders, real leaders and disciples of the church. And so he writes this letter to this Thessalonian church. It's a place called Thessalonica. You can still visit it today. Um, It's changed its name, but it's a real live place. So, Paul planted a church there, but, but persecution started pretty quickly and pretty heavily to the point that somebody in the city accused Paul of rivaling Caesar. And so, this is a big deal because Paul had said, like the statement, something, something along the lines of, Jesus is king. And if you're Caesar, that is a very threatening statement because this person has just identified somebody else as king. And so Caesar gets wind of it and other people start causing a ruckus and getting angry. And the way that you solve things in this time is you just, you eliminate the threat. And so people start getting riled up and they start getting angry and they start coming after Paul to the point that Paul flees for the sake of his life. But this brand new tiny little church plant that he had just planted is now starting to face persecution and he has to leave them. For some of you, it's like, I know you just dropped off kids maybe at college or something like that. It's like, oh, life just got real. Like you're, I don't think you're ready. I don't think I did a good job, but oh, survive. This is like Paul. Like, whoa, jeez, I wish I had more time. Hope you make it. So Paul leaves, fleeing for his life, and writes this letter back to the Thessalonian church after getting wind of what's been going on there. So let's check it out. 1 Thessalonians 1, chapter or chapter 1, starting at verse 2. It's also on the screen. He says this, We always thank God for all of you and continually mention you in our prayers. We remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers and sisters, loved by God, that he has, say it with me, chosen you. Wow! Paul is writing to this little church plant saying, I just want to remind you that the reason you have the gospel, Paul ended up there kind of by accident. He didn't intend to go plant a church, but just following the Holy Spirit who who shut other doors and said he can't go here, he ended up in Thessalonica and planted a church. And er, and Paul, as he's writing this, is reminding them, God chose you. But for what? Let's keep reading. 1 Thessalonians 1, verse 5. Because our gospel came to you not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit, and with deep conviction. I love this. Uh, for some of you, if if you're not a Christian in the room, if you don't consider yourself a follower of Jesus, I just want you to know, we're just happy you're here. Uh, But a lot of this message is going to be targeted at the believers or the followers of Jesus in this room because here's what Paul is writing to this church and here's what something that we need to get and understand as a church is we've been called to live a certain way. So maybe you hear this and you go, I definitely don't want that and I definitely don't want to be that. Or maybe you hear it on the opposite and go, oh, so that's what it really means to be a Christian, or what it really means to be a follower of Jesus. But, but as he writes this, and he says, because our gospel came to you not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit, and deep conviction, the most important thing you can see up here, it's highlighted, not simply with words, but always with words. That when Paul came to Thessalonica, Paul lived a life that was exemplary and it looked different to the world, but Paul had a message that God gave him to share with the people there, and he used his mouth to share it. So when he says, hey, when I came to you, I came with our gospel, our gospel, the ownership, this is the gospel, I've been wrecked and ruined and transformed and changed and brought to life as a result of what God has done in my life, and it has brought me such power, but now when I speak with words, they're not empty words. They also come with power and with conviction and with the Holy Spirit. As I think back to even when I gave my life to the Lord, I still remember right where I was. I was at a conference. I was up in the balcony, and I felt like God was speaking right to me. And I went, I'm done fighting. I give it up. I'm going to follow you. And I remember the deep sense of conviction that I just went, this is real. This is so real. And I received the Holy Spirit, and it came with power. This is what Paul's talking about, as he gives this message to the Thessalonians. But, let's keep reading. 1 Thessalonians 1, the second part of verse 5. He says, you know how we lived among you for whose sake? For your sake. You know how we lived among you. Notice, he said, not just with words that we came, but also how we lived among you. Not for our sake, but for your sake that we lived and decided to live in a way that points to our Heavenly Father, that transmits a gospel message that is readily understood by the people around because it's also coupled with the Holy Spirit and with power and conviction and words. Wow. Let's keep reading. You became imitators of us and of the Lord there's so many Christians and so many followers of Jesus that say don't follow me I don't know what I'm doing I'm just trying to figure it out I follow Jesus just follow him Paul says no no no. I'm following Jesus my life I'm trying to imitate Jesus so if you want just like like double help uh, look at Jesus and read about Jesus and and look at his life that he lived but you can also watch me because I'm trying to imitate him so if you imitate me or you imitate Jesus why don't you just imitate both of us because it looks kind of like the same thing so, how many, okay, imitators, how do I, um, when I was in fourth grade, we moved from central Illinois to Chicago, and I still remember this, and uh, new friends, new place, new people, uh, but I met this guy named Nathaniel, and he goes by Nat, which is just weird, it's like, do I, do I put the G in front of your name or not, like, you know, so I'm like, Nat Pearson, okay, and I remember we went to Nat's house, and we, we had dinner, and then he, like, did something, like, he grabbed something, like, kind of, and he just started juggling, and just put it down, and I was like, that was the coolest thing I've ever seen in my life. What is that? He's like, it's juggling. I was like, how do you do that? Because I, I like picked him up and I was like, foot, 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 you know, and hit a lamp and I'm like, how do you do this? And he's like, well, like this. We spent the entire night in his bedroom as he's teaching me how to juggle. And I, I was just in the, mo- I mean, in the mode, I'm gonna get this, I'm gonna master this, to the point that I spent hours and hours and hours and hours, I would watch videos. Remember VHS, those little plastic things that you could rewind yourself? So VHS, I would watch VHS, and then TV and, I, and books and anything, I would just watch them going, I wanna learn how to do this. I just, I was imitating. Nat, to the point that like a year later I did, our school had a talent show. whoop dee doo this is what I did, right? Judgment, hold it. And uh, I did a song, It's the worst song choice ever. My mom picked it. And uh, me and a buddy, we went out and we were juggling together. We were doing these tricks and I could do different juggling. I mean, I can still, I call it tennis. You're juggling and you just throw one over the top and back and forth. And I, I learned, but I imitated Nat and I also imitated the books, the VHS, the media, whatever I could get my hands on because I wanted to understand, I wanted to become something that I wasn't but that I could see it tangibly. Does that make sense? What Paul was saying to them is imitate me. Watch me as I'm juggling. Watch me as I preach. Watch me as I study God's word. Watch me as I pray. Watch me as I minister to people. Watch me as I live out what it means to be a disciple. And it will be another resource, another tool in your bag that you can understand this is what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus. So, let's keep reading. 1 Thessalonians 1, verse 7. And so you became a model to all the believers in Macedonia And Achaia. This is so crazy. As they imitated Paul, even for just such a short time, and as they continued to imitate Jesus, who had only resurrected about 20 years earlier at the time. It's so cool. I mean, it's like right there in the mix. As they imitated, it wasn't just for their benefit, right? Because they lived for other people's sake, it wasn't just for their benefit, but it was actually for the benefit of the regions around them, that despite the persecution and suffering that this church was going through, severely, they became this beacon of light in darkness that no one could deny in the cities and countries and regions around them, that they went, they are so different, because their words match their actions, and both of them say the same message that is different than what our culture around us is telling us. This is crazy. They became imitators and therefore a model to all believers. The Lord's message rang out. I love this word, rang out. It doesn't mean rang like doorbell. It means rang like echo. Like echo, 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 echo. Is that a good echo? That's kind of cool. We can turn on the effects for the microphone. Echo. What Paul is saying is the way that you acted and the way that you lived and the way that you preached rang out. It echoed all over the place. And it just kept bouncing and bouncing and bouncing to the point that people kept hearing the same message over and over and over. Such a cool world, a cool word. Uh, Not only in Macedonia, in Achaia, get this, not even just there, your faith in God has become known, say it with me, everywhere. Wow, they didn't even have internet. Think about that. That their faith in God became so visible and so well-known that people all around knew they're different. Followers of Jesus. Therefore, we do not need to say anything about it. For they themselves report what kind of reception you gave us. And so important that they did this despite suffering. Paul did not have the American church in mind when he wrote this. Most of us don't go through suffering on a regular basis or at all because of our faith. And somehow I think it's just ingrained. I'll just speak for me, but maybe you can relate to. But you feel like, uh, how could I have joy and suffering at the same time? They oppose each other. And what Paul is saying to this group is that it's, it's one of the paradoxes of the Christian faith. That when you experience suffering, you experience a joy that's found nowhere else. Because it's for the gospel. And so they go hand in hand. And so this little church that Paul was scared to let go of. But he had to. He had to leave for the bigger sake of the kingdom. And so he's fearful, right? There's your college student. Oh, survive. Hope I taught you how to cook and show up for class and don't do drugs. And you know, Paul's like, ah. And he leaves and, and he sees this severe persecution that just is swarming the church. And they flourish. This is what Paul is talking about. He's saying you can find such joy because your, your message isn't just words, but it also came with power and conviction and the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit in the midst of suffering brings joy. 1 Thessalonians one, second part of 9. They tell how you turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescues us from the coming wrath. I love this part. This is how he's like bringing it to a close. And he's saying, remember, Jesus is coming back. And if I could say anything that you just hear today, I just, I want you to hear this. Jesus is coming back. And when he comes back, it, If you're a believer, it's going to be the best day you've ever experienced in your life. I think many of us, again, just speaking personally, I think oftentimes, sometimes that's scary to think about. It's scary to think about the chapter coming to a close, and it's scary, and you go, I hope I'm ready, and I I hope I have the relationship with him, and I, I just want to give you peace in this, too, that a relationship in Jesus is where life is found, where freedom is found. And so if you have that relationship with Jesus, when he comes back, it will be the most glorious day of eternity. It'll be amazing. And Paul is saying, hey, in the midst of your suffering, In the midst of the chaos and the sickness and the brokenness and the death that's surrounding you, I want you to keep your eyes on something so much greater, and that's Jesus is coming back. And when he comes back, death goes away, and sin goes away, and pain goes away. And every sort of brokenness in the world that we know is normal vanishes. Paul's saying, keep your eyes on Jesus because he's coming back and that is the message that you share with people that Jesus was here the coming back he was here already and he did for us what we could not do for ourselves he got hung on a cross and he died and he didn't just die a a man's death but he died with the wrath of God for us and then three days later after he defeated death he came back and he goes I told you I'm in charge. And all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. So go make disciples of all nations and tell them the same thing. This is who I am. And this is how I'm using you for the sake of my kingdom. I love this. This is like the most fun message I've ever preached. Come on. This little church plant was making a difference. Amen? They were rocking it. They were rocking it. What does God want for this church? What does God want for you? I believe he wants to do the same thing. I believe we live in a city, Byron Center, Grand Rapids. I think we live in a country, the United States, that has largely turned its back on God. That doesn't see a big need for God. That doesn't see the power that comes with a follower of Jesus. I think what many of them see, the people around us see a bunch of churchgoers, a bunch of Sunday morning type Christians, uh, a bunch of moderately invested, moderately engaged, somewhat less enthusiastic type of crowd that has some sort of a message that they kind of believe and kind of don't, but they get get a mixture of um, what does it mean to follow Jesus and what does it mean to be a part of the world. I I think a lot of people around us, they just say, "I, I don't see anything that's just like life changing. But we know it, right? Like if you're a believer and if you're a disciple of Jesus, you know that Jesus changes everything. So I want you to think about your context to which you have been called because it's something, this is like a, a, a whatever you want to call it, issue in the church or whatever, um, but it's like whose job is it to share the gospel message, right? How many of you just want to point at me and go, you, you have a microphone, you could say it. Here's the thing, Sunday morning, it doesn't change a lot right so many people there's way more people out there right now within a mile of us than there are in this room that's true for any church there's way more people outside and that's why God has called the church and you and equipped you and given you the power of the Holy Spirit to kick through those doors and go Jesus is coming what do you got And to go home to home to family to family to workplace to relationship to everywhere to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to a world that's just lost and broken and confused. But when they come into contact with God, with the power of Jesus Christ through you, it is the most captivating, attractive thing that the world has ever seen. And they want it. What does God want for this church In particular, I love this. Followers of Jesus don't just speak a different message. They live a different message for the sake of lost people around them. What does that look like? Um, I didn't tell them I'm doing this, but I get to do this. Um, John and Brendan and Anya, I mean, you guys just have such a stacked team here. Do you realize that? And uh, John in particular, just over the last probably a year or so, has really become like a close brother of mine. And uh, love the guy. I'd do anything for him. And here's the thing about John that I get to say, because John will never say up here on stage, just because this is the kind of guy that he is. John understands what it looks like to live a life that's focused on the sake of people around him. For the sake of the gospel. He gets it. I mean, I I get updates and I get to hear even from him during the week and when we meet and and just see him out. I mean, Byron Days, the way that he's really connecting with the city and officials here and say, we just want to be the church. We'll we'll do any job. You give us any job. We're not above anything. Whatever it is, we want to represent our church. And so he goes out and he lives a life that is different for the sake of people around him who do not have a relationship with him. I watch him running. Uh, He just told me they went running in like the Swiss Alps on vacation. That sounds horrible to me. Can I just acknowledge that? That sounds horrible, horrible. I'm like, that's why I drive, okay? I don't care what it is. I'm, dri- I'm not running in the Swiss Alps. And uh, he's like, there's lower oxygen. Most people can't do that. I'm like, that's I can't do that. So, but, but he runs and he connects with other people who are a little twanged in the mind out here who just run, 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 run. And uh, he builds relationships with them. But like on the grounds of people and shared interest and running, never as like a, a pastor card I mean, if I can say one thing to you, because here's like the big push-shove in Christianity. So many of you want the pastor to be out in the community and sharing the gospel. And what the pastor wants more than anything is you to be out in the community sharing the gospel. You have an advantage that pastors do not have. I watch it every time I share with someone or they ask me, I try not to share it. They ask me, what do I do for a living? Non-Christians, what do you do for work? As soon as I say I'm a pastor or I work for a church, everything about the conversation changes. They shut down. They stop talking, walls fly up, and they don't say a thing. And I just go, Argh. like, I just need to come up with a better answer. Like, I just work for a nonprofit. We're focused on the community, and we, we have a mission we believe in, right? And they go, oh, cool. <laughs> but as soon as I say church or pastor, they go, ah, I've watched your pastor, John, build relationships and build bridges with people on the basis of things that are normal. And there's power to that. That's something you have. You know, one of the best compliments that you could ever receive from people who aren't followers of Jesus is this. You're not like other Christians I've met before. How awesome is that? That's a compliment that I just want to encourage you to strive for as a follower of Jesus. If you're not a follower of Jesus, not a Christian, this would be a great spot for you to say amen. I agree, but I'm not going to, obviously. So. I just want to point that out to you that you just have such a gift of a pastor and of a staff here that understands this is what it looks like to live a life for the sake of others in our community, driven and empowered and equipped by the gospel message. What a gift. What a gift. But also what a model to imitate. You know, even as Paul says it earlier, imitate me as I imitate Christ. You got a great example that's up here almost every week that exhibits what it looks like to live a life focused on Jesus for the sake of people around him. It's not hard, but it's life-changing. I just want to encourage you to do that. I want to read this. John stole this earlier today. Philippians 2. Thanks John. Holy Spirit credit on that one. Philippians 2 verse 5. Followers of Jesus embody the message of the gospel and they share it. And so I want to read this together. Philippians 2 verse 5 goes like this. In your relationships with one another have the same mindset as who? Jesus. Jesus. Have the same mindset. Who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Things that you've been gifted with. Do you realize that most of you are in jobs or careers or professions in which you've been given gifts by the Holy Spirit to build up the kingdom that also work in the secular world? You've been given, if you're like, I'm just awesome at accounting, that's a spiritual gift. You can use that for the sake of the kingdom and for for getting in with people who aren't followers of Jesus that think like you and that are in environments that you are, you've been given gifts to be in the environment that you are in. Leverage that. Just like Jesus did. Let's keep reading them. Who being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Don't use your gifts to your own advantage. Rather, for the sake of other people. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. He became like us for our sake. There are so many ways that you can become like the people around you for their sake without ever compromising this. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient To death. Even death on a cross. Can you just imagine something with me for one second? Imagine what the story of Jesus would be if Jesus had never shared the gospel and never used words but just lived an extraordinarily outsider-focused life. Can you imagine that for a second? The gospel message is shared with words But not just words, but certainly words. That if Jesus had just lived an exemplary life, we wouldn't know about him today. We wouldn't. But it's the words coupled with his actions that produce this punch of a faith that radically changes and transforms our world. And that is what he has called us to, to both share with our mouths, this is who Jesus is, and this is how he's rescued me. And also, here's my life, and it supports it. When, when they say two different messages, the definition of that is hypocrite. You say one thing, but you act a different way. What Paul is calling us and encouraging us, and even more so Jesus is, is have the same message, but make sure it's the same message in both Live in different way according to scripture that God has called us to live because it shines like a light on a lamp, right, for all to see. It sounds like a hill, a city on a hill for everybody to see for miles. Shine your light and live differently, but use your words. It's a both and. So there's a story about a guy named John Courier and... He was found guilty of murder in the year 1949. Sentenced to life in prison and went away. I don't know if he did it. I don't know if he didn't do it. But he was convicted in a jury of murder and disappeared. Life in prison. He was later paroled, so probably a decade or so later, something like that. Later paroled to work on a farm in Tennessee. His sentence was terminated by the court... 20 years in so after 20 years whether it was new evidence or whether it was just the parole or behavior or whatever it was they had deemed John a free man they had acquitted him they set him free his sentence was now terminated and so here's what they did they sent him a letter to the work farm saying you're now a free man your sentence is over it has been paid Here's the problem. John never got the letter. And so he worked year after year after year after year after year on this farm in Tennessee believing he was a captive. That's all he knew. And ten years went by with a sentence that was terminated but a life that was in bondage and a parole officer found out got a copy of the letter and went to the address of the farm and he showed up and he said I'm looking for John they pointed way out in the field and he walks out to John he says John I'm a parole officer with the state And I'm here to tell you, you're free. And tears start streaming down from his face. How many people in your life have been set free that the cost has been paid through Jesus that are living in bondage and totally unaware? This is why we've been called to share the greatest message ever given that you've been set free that yeah you had a sentence yes yeah, sin caused brokenness yes yeah, sin sin ruined major parts of your marriage relationships body life but it's been paid for you're no longer a captive. You're no longer a slave. You've now been set free. I shared this with you last time I was here. Um, when we moved into our house two and a half years ago, I just, there's been a couple times in my life that I felt like I've been somewhere specifically for someone else. And I felt that way about our neighbor and single mom and eight year old son. His name is Nolan. Guy's a riot. And, uh, pulled the trash cans in one day, and my wife and her mom were out working, and he's just pulling it going, ladies, look! <laughs> Nolan. So, Nolan's like one of my favorite people ever, but I just felt like we we got called and placed and given that home for them. And it took two years, and their life really bottomed out. And just brokenness like I can't even describe. And I was able to do one thing and just say, hey, i Never want to infringe. She knows what I do for work. Never want to infringe. If you ever want me to just cut your lawn, I'll cut your lawn. She's like, well, I like cutting the lawn. No problem. She's like, but you can cut the front. I was like, yes. So I've been cutting the front lawn all summer long. I told you she knows what I do. Well, I've been cutting the lawn, cutting the lawn, cutting the lawn. I do a good job, by the way. Cutting that lawn and making it look pretty the doors that it has opened are leading to the place of a conversation in which I can tell them and my wife can tell them they've been set free. I recently started attending a church. I recently got promoted to the backyard also, so now I get to do both. I'm like, that's what I'm talking about. This is like last week. I was fired up. God's at work in this life, in this relationship And there's more coming, but here's what I need you to hear. And I I wrote this down. So if you're writing it down, write this down. Our actions open the door, but our words set people free. My challenge to you today is to do two things. One, figure out how you can tangibly share the gospel with someone in your life right now using your words. Not this week, not this month, not this year, because you're never going to do it today. Who in your life just needs the gospel? A phone call or a text message that just says, I've just been thinking about you and praying for you, and I just, I don't even know what I'm doing or how to do this, but I I just want to make sure, do you know that Jesus loves you? And then here's number two. Who do you need to share the gospel with this week with your actions? Who is it? Who do you need to just bless? So that your actions match your words, that it preaches your gospel, your story, your message of a life-saving grace relationship with Jesus. God, we just come before you now. We're just grateful for who you are, grateful for the sacrifice that you gave for us that you sent Jesus for our sake and you, you sent him as a model for us to look at and to follow and be saved by, but also to imitate. God, I just pray for this church right now that you would just activate them in the community. That you would activate them at schools. You would activate them in the hospitals and at the doctor's office and the dentist's office and and all over, God, in business and in sales and in uh, everything, God, everything, every place that you have called this group of people, I just pray that you would activate them and that you would bring right now, Father, I pray that you bring somebody to their mind. That they need to share the gospel with their words right now to set them free. God, I pray for those in this room right now that maybe aren't followers of you, that aren't Jesus followers, they're not disciples. And I just pray, Father, that you would work through your Holy Spirit so that they might understand the power and the conviction that comes with your Holy Spirit. God, you've called this church to great things. You've sent it with a message to set people free. And I pray, Father, that that your servants today, that your disciples, your followers would walk out of this building with a fire and an intensity and a passion for sharing the message that we have not just received, but also been tasked with giving. We love you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.